Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw on this Thursday afternoon. Good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns, alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo! Burnsy, what's going on? I'm, I'm laughing not at Eric, necessarily, because he's not the only one to do it, but I was listening to Sarah Cazell do a Sports Center update uh, earlier. Have we all gotten to the point where these 8.30 tips off, tip-off times are like, we need to get some coffee, we need to take a nap, we need to rest up. I, I was listening to Eric's update. He's like, put on the coffee. Suns are on 8.30 tonight. Earlier, I heard Sarah saying, take a nap. Suns are on 8.30 tonight. Mm. Have we all gotten to that point where 8.30 is just too late for any... Can you imagine if we lived no. on the East Coast? This is how it would be all the friggin' time, right? For if, if you were watching like the Suns and the Lakers and teams like that, the Clippers? Yeah. Well, if you were watching the Suns and the Clippers, you'd have to stay up till... 10.30 at night to see tip time? To start for tip time. For tip time. Right? Right? They're two hours ahead of right. us right now? Yeah. You know? So uh, it, I think, uh, listen, I I don't know. I mean, I think we, you know, weekday, weekend games, you don't care what time it starts, but I think weekday games, as you as you get older and sleep becomes more important to you, <laughs> you, 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 you know, when you were 25 years old, did you care if it was 7 or 8.30? Well, that's why I'm curious that Eric, no. a young man... Said, yeah. put on the coffee. It's going to be at eight thirty tonight. Do you require a cup of coffee for tonight's game, Eric? I'm not, I'm not a coffee guy, but you know I can read the room. An eight thirty <laughs> tip. Come on, I can read. I'm fine. But okay, but I mean, listen. I mean, the, 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 I used to be fascinated by Burnsy going to bed at nine thirty every night. Like I'd be nine thirty, like because yeah. I, I would always stay up till midnight. I, you know, I, I would always stay up till midnight. But then, you know, as you get a little bit older, you, you go to bed a little bit earlier. You know, Burnsy was just an old soul. He was just an old soul. So I just liked my sleep. You yeah. know? I just, hey, if I'm tired, I'm going to go to sleep. And at 9.30, I got tired, so I went to sleep. But I, used to, I used to go to my father. He used to be in his pajamas by like 5 o'clock. He goes, what are you doing in pajamas at 5 o'clock? He goes, son, I've lived my life. I'm just ready to die now. I swear to God, no, that's what he said. Like, that's just, not I, why I go to bed early. I'm not ready to die. I've I just, lived my life. I'm just ready to die now. My father said that when he was like 50. You know? <laughs> that's not, that's not the issue here. That's, not, that's funny stuff. So, yeah, put on that coffee. Take that nap. Suns Clippers at 8.30 tonight. Let's weigh in on our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Sons of the Clippers, as we mentioned, 8.30 tip time. It's a late one. Make sure you get that nap in. Uh, and if you're the Clippers, uh, make sure you do something tonight because have you seen their injured list? My goodness. Paul yes. George, out. Reggie Jackson, out. Kawhi Leonard, right knee injury management, out. Norman Powell, out. Ivaka Zubac is questionable. Luke Kennard is questionable. Uh, they are second night of a back to back for the Clippers. And even though they've been playing well as of late, they're clearly giving themselves basically the night off tonight against the Suns. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, Paul George is coming off of a triple double against Minnesota 17 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists. They, uh, they had a huge win over the Celtics. Huge. Kawhi Leonard was, you know, fantastic. I mean, this is a, 
much different Clipper team than the one we saw early in the season when the Suns beat him up pretty good. That was like the third game. Kawhi, you know, didn't play a whole lot. He wasn't very effective. But this team, they've won three in a row. Suns are struggling. This is the last of a four-game road trip for them. So they're really struggling. But yeah, I would, I was, I was, uh, Honestly, kind of looking forward to seeing the Clippers at full strength just to kind of see what you're up against. You know, if they would have had everybody, but they won't. And so that makes it a little bit different. And, you know, there's a part of me that just wants to see the Suns get off the snide here and get a win. Uh, but there was another part of me just wants to see, boy, okay, the Clippers. Because, listen, me and you both thought, like, if healthy, they're probably the team to beat in the West. If healthy. Yes. Now, they're starting to get healthy, right? They're starting to get healthier. And, you know, Kawhi and Kawhi played a really good game against the Celtics. And, you know, Paul George has had some terrific games, triple-double against Minnesota, like I mentioned. And so uh, their defense has been really good. They you know, they have some size when they're healthy. So I did. Want, I was looking forward to seeing how they would match up against the Suns. Yeah, I was, too. It, it was it was kind of in a weird spot because of, of the, of they, looked, they looked against the Celtics on Monday night. They looked like that team that we thought was the one to fear the most in the West. Now, whether they end up there or not, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, they could be, they could be, frankly, a lot like last year's Boston Celtics team. Remember, the Celtics got off to a very slow start, kind of took them a while to find their rhythm and find their groove, and when they found it, they got really good. Uh, Kawhi Leonard was really good against the Boston Celtics a couple nights ago. Paul George was really good then. He was really good last night, too. And for them, I'm sure they're taking a very, very long view of all of this. Like, you know what? We, we just started to get some guys back. We're starting to play well. We're starting to find some things out about ourselves. Let's not run everybody out there on the second night of a back-to-back. Let's just kind of take this nice and slow and nice and easy. And for the Suns, a team that you say desperately needs to get off get off the schneid here, I I imagine it's a relief for them that they don't have to face all of those stars from the Clippers tonight, because that would make it much more formidable, to be sure. You know, even like, and and we're not sure yet on a couple of guys if they're going to play or not, right? We still don't have an update on Devin Booker? No, not yet. No, okay, um, so we know that he's he's questionable to return. Uh, Aiton is questionable to return. We know right. the campaign's not going to play. He's, he's out. out. Yeah, yeah. We, we haven't heard anything new about those guys yet. No, no. Like I'm, I'm looking. Okay, remember when the Celtics beat the Suns? Like, oh my god, they killed the Suns. Like, oh my god, that team is unreal. Oh, geez, the Celtics. I, I don't know how many's going to match. Then they lost to Golden State, got clobbered. Lost to the Clippers, got clobbered. Needed overtime to lose to the to, to the to beat the Lakers. Anthony Davis blew it. They would have lost that game too. I mean, so right after beating the Suns, they very easily could have been on a three-game losing streak. I mean, that's the NBA, right? You can't get too high or too low, you know, with with a winning streak or a losing streak. I mean, it's five games here, and yeah, you're not happy with it, but it's not how you're playing, you know, on, on December fifteenth that matters. It has it matters how you play in the playoffs. It's hard. It's just it's it's hard. It is. You know, we had a lot of conversations yesterday about the Suns. We were reacting, and in the minds of some, we were probably overreacting to what happened against the Houston Rockets, and a lot of our conversations. Yesterday were centered around Chris Paul, and and no matter how you know down we might be about a five game losing streak, I think you're right. We got to keep it in perspective. It's still the middle of December. There's still a lot of season to go. There's still a lot of things that can happen. But I I do think for the Suns, for as much as you know, in, in, you make a good point about the Celtics, and not to read too much into these early season moments. I do think, and will continue to think that the concern about Chris Paul is very warranted. I I, I 
still think that no matter where we are in the season, that is a conversation worth having. That is a development worth watching. That is a player upon which we really need to keep our eye on. No matter how much uh, importance we want to assign to these games this early in the season, I get it. We should probably all ease off a little bit and not go so crazy with a big win streak or a big lose streak. But I do think with Chris Paul, we have to keep an eye on him, Gambo. It, it, it's He's of vital importance to this whole operation. And if he's not right, the operation's not going to be right the whole season. I think, no, anyway. No, there's no question that, you know, when, when the Suns are at full strength, then, you know, you can you can also overcome some of Chris Paul's deficiencies now when the Suns are at full strength and everybody's playing well. Now, you may not be able to overcome that against a really good team in a seven-game series, but for just the thought of the, of the regular season, you're going to win a lot of basketball games if the Suns are right and Chris Paul is just a good player, not a great player. Going to win a lot of basketball games. Maybe a top-four seed in the West. You may even have a chance to, you know, win a series or so in the playoffs. I just think it comes down to, you know, can you win in the playoffs if, if you don't have that, that a great one-two punch? And what we're le- learning here, and especially with Chris's absence and then Chris struggling since he came back, is is anybody capable of stepping up and being a number two guy to book? And we haven't seen it yet, right? We on occasion, we've talked about on occasion, you've seen Mikhail have a good, really good game here or there, or DA have a really good game or there, but neither one of them have been able to do it consistently. We talked about it with James Jones yesterday. It's a hard thing to do. Uh, we You look at the schedule, all right, the Clippers tonight. Obviously, the game now, the tone of it has changed with all the guys who are out for the Clippers. You've got New Orleans again on Saturday, this time at home. You mentioned the end of a four-game road trip. It ends tonight. You open up a homestand where you're home against New Orleans. The Lakers, obviously a team still in flux trying to find their way. Washington. But then you've got Memphis. You've got Denver. You've got Memphis again, so yeah, you've it's got tough games. It's a, it's a tough stretch, and then coming up early in January, you've got Cleveland and Miami, and you've got New York and Toronto and Cleveland again. Golden State. They just got some news today about Steph Curry. Sounds like he's right. going to miss a few weeks with that shoulder injury. Schedule's pretty demanding for the next month or so. There are little pockets of easy games, but for the most part, just about every game or every other game from here until the next month or. So so it's fairly challenging for the Phoenix Suns. So they'll they'll need to take advantage of the ones that can be taken advantage of when it comes to the schedule. And that might be one tonight with all the guys missing. Yeah, you know, because when because we had said what the Suns hadn't lost three games in a row since before the bubble. Yeah, uh, four games in a row since before the four. Bubble, yeah, yes. I'm sorry, four games in a row since before the bubble. Well, four turns into five, and you don't want to see five turn into six, and it, it's it's frustrating because you've you know we're, we come to watch this team win a lot of basketball games over the last couple of years. So to see them struggle, even to, you know with the injuries and everything, it's 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 hard to do because you know we enjoy watching the team play, and they're usually really good. And now they're going through some adversity. And, you know, some people, um, you know, I mean, the, the belief like yes, our conversation yesterday uh, that we had with Tory Craig about like, hey, I think this is good for us. Really? <laughs> a five game losing streak is good. Yeah, this is great for us. I'm really happy. Wow. OK. All right. You're really happy about a five game losing streak. OK. If you say I, mean, so. I don't get it, but OK. Yeah, if you say so. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show on this Thursday, Steve Kime, it was the big news yesterday, taking an indefinite leave of absence from his role as general manager. Could that leave become a permanent one, a report suggesting that it could. We'll let you hear and decide for yourself next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 
Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. John Gambadero, Dave Burns here on the Burns and Gambo show on this Thursday. Yesterday at about 4.30 in the middle of our program, we got news from Ian Rappaport, NFL insider at the NFL Network and NFL.com, that Steve Kime was taking an indefinite leave of absence from the organization. By now, I would imagine most people have heard that report or familiar with that report and kind of are familiar with what's going on with the Cardinals right now. An indefinite health-related leave of absence from the team. His duties are being handled on an interim basis by VP of Player Personnel Quentin Harris and VP of Pro Personnel Adrian Wilson. Uh, the Cardinals confirmed all of this yesterday. Out of respect for privacy, they wrote in their statement, which is required by law, they write, the team will refrain from commenting further. I believe Vance Joseph Gambo, when he met with the media earlier today for his weekly visit, basically said what was in the statement. We're, we're, we're you know, out of respect for his privacy and due to the law, we're not going to comment about anything. We, of course, wish him the best. And, of course, as you and I said yesterday, we any speculation about what's to happen next or what happened has happened is obviously precluded by we wish Steve Kime the very, very best and we hope he gets well soon, whatever it is that he's dealing with right now. Yeah, and, and that's it's hard. It's hard to separate. And I get it. I'm hearing from a lot of fans right now, and I think it's very hard to separate the frustrations and anger of the season. You know, the, the fact that, you know, he, he, there's a health issue here and he's got to take a leave of absence and he can't be around. So, um, you know, I, I, I left him a message yesterday, um, you know, just, you know, wishing him the best and everything. And uh, I'm sure many other the people that you know that know him did and that's you know that's the part you know you you got to separate i mean he is a good person and he's a, he's a father and um you know whatever he's dealing with right now it's uh and i'm not going to say but whatever he's, you know the stuff he's dealing with that's that's his personal issues and, and health issues and he's got to fight you know fight through that and overcome it and and get better and then whatever happens with the season and everything that that's separate now you, know, you can't just you know ignore that too and I understand that as right. well I mean this season is what it is it's a one of the worst seasons in the history of Cardinal football it's a terrible season we all can't wait for it to end and there's still four games left as you would keep alluding to and it's I mean it's hard I mean it's you know it's it's hard to um you know, to go through this after they won 11 games last year and went to the playoffs. And, you know, somebody's got to be blamed for it. And, and you, some people got to look in a mirror and figure out what happened. And it's not just the injuries. And there were a tremendous amount of injuries. And that had a major factor, but that wasn't the only factor. They've got to figure out the direction. Michael Bidwell has to figure out the direction of this team going forward. If, uh, if, if this is the path that he wants to take with his current GM and current coach, or he wants to go in a different direction. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the part of this that I, I think we're all trying to handle in our own separate ways, you know, as delicately as we possibly can. Those decisions, that decision doesn't stop because of this, right? I, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, it still has to be made at some point, depending on what you want to do with the organization. And, and sensitively, carefully, the organization has to move forward and figure out what's best in, in its own interests, you know, kind of regardless. Now, they've got four games left. That's, a, that's still a long time left in this season. 
season. Not that they're going to do anything these next four games to change anybody's mind or change Michael's mind, but it does buy them the time to see sort of what happens with Steve. Now, Rappaport was on the NFL Network today, and I'm going to play these two sound bites. It was about a 45-second video clip on Steve Keim, and the two things that Rappaport said that I think gathered the most attention, there's already a story up on it at ArizonaSports.com. Number one, there is no timetable for Kimes' return. An indefinite health-related leave of absence for general manager Steve Kimes, a situation that has been developing really over the course of the last several weeks and several months for the Arizona Cardinals. He steps away, no timetable for his return. Not so much that there's no timetable. It's that, that part in the middle there. It's several weeks, several months. This has been something, I don't want to suggest that it's been in the work, but this is not a, it doesn't sound like based off of this report that it's a new thing with Steve, that it's been whatever it is, something that he's been coping with now for a while. At least that's what I gathered from Rappaport's report. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it is. It, it definitely is. And it's something that, you know, he's, you know, he's just trying to, you know, just trying to get better and, you know, get some stuff under control and uh, whatever time he needs away. And I don't know how long that's going to be, but whatever time he needs away. Listen, I mean, the organization and I will say this about them. I mean, a lot of people are under a lot of pressure over there, right? Because it's, you know, it's the home streak of how badly they played at home. What is it? Well, one one win in the last 12 games? That is, is, that yeah, what it is? One and 11 in their last 12 home games. You know, the money spent on the new contracts with the quarterback and the coach and even the GM and uh, decisions. There's a lot of pressure that a lot of people are under, right? Because of just yes. how poor, poorly the season's gone. It probably has taken a toll on a lot of people, uh, I'm sure. Um, but, you know, that's why it's, it's probably wise to step away and take care of the things that you have to take care of. And I, and I, you know, the organization will, will support Steve or anybody in that situation, right? They'll support you and, um, health concerns and things like that. The organization is going to support him and, uh, you know, be there for him. And it's not like they're going to fire him today and, you know, move on and they'll, they'll give him all the ample time to uh, recover. And then we'll see where this goes. I mean, there's a ton of speculation. Like, you know, would, could, could Steve just walk away and just say, my health's more important and, and I'll walk away. I mean, it's just, just a lot of speculation out there that, oh, this could be an easy out for the Cardinals if he just, you know, walks away and takes a different role with the organization. That stuff will play itself out. I don't know the answers to that. Yeah. I really don't know. But I do know when this season is over in four weeks, regardless of like this situation with, with the GM, Steve Kime. Tough decisions have to be made, and they have to be made quickly because other teams are going to be looking for coaches and other teams are going to be looking for GMs. So regardless of where Steve is at, at that, where he is at that point, if he is still getting attention and isn't you know, able to fulfill day-to-day duties, decisions are still going to have to be made by Michael and the organization as to which direction they're going to go. And that is why Rappaport added, as part of his report today, that Kime's return right now is up in the air, including a win-or-if statement that Rappaport made in the middle of this soundbite here. For Kime, obviously, as, as part of this, received an extension before the season. Remains to be seen when he will be back with the team future certainly in doubt there we will see up in the air i would say we'll see when and if he ends up coming back now a lot of vague you know terms there right we'll see yeah, when and if when, it, when sure. and if but i heard i heard you know i watched the report on, on social media and i saw the winner if and and that was sort of you know i i would imagine that was a very intentional use of words by ian rapaport because it's not we don't know if it's a win we don't know if it's an if right it, it's it, there's we won't the, know until michael bidwell tells us 
Okay, the only person that makes a decision on on this is Michael. And to this point, Michael hasn't, you know, hinted one way or another to anyone that I know of of what what direction he's going to go. And you know, we've talked about the let it play out. This, well, I don't know. I don't even know that 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 matters now because Kyler is out and. You know, the season's lost, and so I don't even know what, if, if that even matters how they play in these last four games. I even asked you the other day, do you think he has his mind made up? And you said yes, and I agree with you. Yeah. I totally agree with you. I think at this point right now, Michael Bidwell knows, listen, when he fired Steve Wilkes, he had to eat that contract. Sure did. Okay, one year into a contract. So he, you know, it's not like they've never eaten money before. So if he feels like he's got to eat money again, and yeah, that, then that's his mistake, and he'll own it. And if he's, he's got to pay for guys not to be here, he'll pay for guys not to be here. He, he did it with Steve Wilkes. He fired him after one year. Not only did he have to pay Steve Wilkes, he had to pay his whole staff. Of course. Of okay, course. so you had to pay the whole staff. So that's a lot of money because he fired an entire staff after one year. And some of those guys had more than one year uh, you know, contract. So that you know, you, they brought in with Mike McCoy to be the offensive coordinator because they wanted a head coach. You know, a guy who had prior head coaching experience to be there to help him. So he had to eat that. So it's not like he doesn't understand what it would take if he's got to move on from these guys. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, well, first, uh, a reminder, as always, you can text us your thoughts on anything we're talking about here on Burns and Gambo at the uh, FanDuel text line. Texas is 620-620 right now. Now, when we come back, today, today is a day we've been talking about for a while when it comes to the Suns and the NBA. Significant day on the calendar. Just how significant could it be for the Suns? We'll talk about next on the Burns and Gambo show. The Burns and Gambo need to know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. And we might have just gotten an update on that Suns game. I'm looking at reports on Twitter right now that suggests Devin Booker is listed as available to play tonight. DeAndre Ayton is listed as out tonight. Okay, that according to the Twitter account um, at underdog hash or uh, at underdog underscore NBA. Usually they kind of take news from other sources. I'm not sure. Uh, Dwayne Rankin has it too. Okay, Dwayne Rankin from AZ Central has it as well. So Aiton out, Devin Booker available. Yep, I see the Dwayne Rankin go. tweet right now. So there you, you go. know the way James Jones work. If you're available, you're available. There's yep. not a minutes limit. If you're available, but you're going to play. Yep, that, and that's that's what we should expect for Devin Booker tonight. He is good to go. DeAndre Aiton is not good to go. Eight thirty tip time tonight. Suns and the Clippers. It's time to roll out our Twitter poll question of the day. Eric, what do you got for us today? We are well. We are not waiting with bated breath for the availability of Jay Crowder. We know he is O-U-T, but it is December 15th. That's a big day. Most of the NBA is now able to be traded, so how much longer is it going to be until the Suns move on from Crowder? Your four options are just only up to one week away. It's going to happen soon. Up to two weeks away. Up to a month. And more than a month. A week? Two? A month? Or more? week two weeks I'm not a man I'm it's not that many good play. You know, I, I, there's not that many good players available. No, no. I mean I, and I, I'm gonna get into this much later on um, well actually we're getting into it here and I'm gonna go up to one month a month uh, okay no I, I, there's no look it's at this point 
this point, who the hell knows? I think we all thought it would have been done by now. I'll say two weeks. Put me down for two weeks. Okay. Yeah, I was going to go two weeks. Okay. But yeah. I don't, who knows? Right. Who knows? Well, shocking, guys. Uh, Suns fans not too optimistic right now. 42.5% think it's going to take longer than a month to get done. 24.6% say it'll take up to a month. 17.1% say up to two weeks. 15.9% say up to one week. It continues to be fascinating because we're talking about a perfectly healthy, good, ready-to-play player who's just sitting there, right? Who's just who's just sitting there waiting right. for a home and waiting for somewhere to play, right? We're not talking about a player who's Nobody's offering now. anything. No, I, I know. mean, here's it's... the bottom line. I mean, nobody's offering anything. If, if the Suns got something good, they would, a trade would have been made. I mean, not sitting there like, oh, I really want to punish Jay Crowder because he doesn't want to be here. You're going to sit and rot. No, they'd love to get rid of him. They don't want him. It's a headache. It's a headache having this guy, you know, still a part of it, paying this guy. You're paying this guy to not play. Yeah. So it's that, a headache. You, you don't want this. That's our poll question. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. One word on Twitter. At Burns and Gambo is where you can find it. Why is today significant? We've been talking about it for a while here on the show. But I'll just remind everybody that December 15th is the first day that players who sign contracts this summer can be trade eligible. 74 players just became trade eligible today. Uh, guys like Danilo Gallinari, Patty Mills, JaVel McGee, Dante DiVincenzo, John Wall, half of the Lakers just became eligible <laughs> today. Um, you know, they're, they're, those are names that have been added to the list in another month. 21 more players get put on that list. That includes our own DeAndre Ayton, in addition to Zach Levine and Bradley Beal and others right. because of the franchise. So that there are certainly names out there, um, and yet it was pointed out by Bobby Marks on a piece that he wrote today on ESPN.com that it's been 12 years since the last time a trade has happened on December 15th. So as much as we make a big deal about this date being the date, right? it's actually not the date at all. It's just, okay, there are more guys in the pool, more guys who could be traded, but that doesn't mean that it spurs a bunch of action among teams to make a yeah. trade. Yeah, and listen, I mean, I, I checked on something last night. A lot, I have actually, you know, a lot of the national writers will call me like, hey, before I write this story, do you know anything? Because I, I know you should down so many, so I always have Nash, a lot of the national guys message me or call me, and I'm about to go with this story, but I just want to check with you and see. And so, you know, I'm, I'm constantly checking on things. Here's the reality: it's just, you know, there hasn't been a good trade offered for Jay Crowder. Nobody really wants to give up anything for Jay Crowder, and that's just the truth. Nobody wants to give up anything of any value for him. So you'll wait it out if you're the Suns and, and wait to, to get the right trade. And we thought today would be the day, and just because there are a lot of players that are available, but when you go through through the list of players, it's like, okay, it's just, you know, it's okay. It's not that great. But, you know, teams are trying to get off, like Atlanta and Collins, they want to get rid of him so badly. They want off that contract so badly. They'll do anything to get off that contract. You're going to hear, you know, and, and you're going to hear very soon that, that Miami wants to get off of Kyle Lowry. They do. They don't want to pay Kyle Lowry. So teams are trying to get off a guy. So, you know, you, you can, any, there's a thing called brainstorming in the NBA. And it's, it's not, you know, 
teams just brainstorm. Well, what if we did this? And what if we did that? And then, you know, if you talk to a reporter, yeah, we're talking about this. Maybe talking about it internally, but that doesn't mean you're going to get three teams to agree on the deal. Right. But if Atlanta's sitting there and, you know, and they're talking to a reporter and they're saying, yeah, we, you know, we've, we, you know, we think it's possible to maybe do a three team trade with it, with Phoenix and, um, and, and us and the Jazz to get something. It's brainstorming. They're brainstorming. It's not like they called the other teams and said, can we get a deal done? And they're close to it. They're not. There is nothing to that. The, nobody wants Collins. Nobody wants that contract. And that's the problem that you run into now is that a lot of these, you know, a lot of these teams that want to get off contracts, they, they're brainstorming ways to get off of the contract. And then a reporter finds out about it or an agent finds out about it and they, they run with it. But there's no truth to it. Yeah. I mean, the Atlanta Utah Suns trade is never going to happen. And, and, and for people who don't know, let me, because I haven't given out the specific details of that. Let, let me share that with everybody here. Um, the, it was, came from Jake Fisher from Yahoo. Um, he writes, Atlanta has continued its pursuit of Jake Crowder, a new three-team concept with Utah and Phoenix circled around league executives this week. The Hawks view the Jazz as a potential landing spot for John Collins, while Utah has signaled a willingness to discuss Jared Vanderbilt of known interest to the Suns, and Landry Shamit has often been included in deal frameworks that would send Crowder to Atlanta. This structure appears to be an expired idea that never gained significant traction due to draft pick compensation and other shortcomings. I just wanted to get that out there because you were, yeah. you were kind of talking around that deal and we never really said what that deal was. That that was that was on the internet at some point this morning. I don't know when, and that's the yeah. one that you were kind of checking. No, out it was a last bit. night. I mean, I I, mean, I I had talked to Jake last night, and you know, it's the thing is that these guys and everybody's chasing a bunch of stuff down right now because you know today's December fifteenth, and even though you said wow, that was crazy, I can't believe that there's only been three trades on this date in the last twelve years. Yeah, that's that's it's crazy, that's crazy right? You, you, you think a third of the league becomes available yeah, to trade a guy. You would think it's like you know, like like a car race, right? Where the light turns green and everybody revs their engines and goes on December fifteenth. It doesn't. It doesn't really work that way. And Bobby Mark said it's it's. He said, "Look, well, here's the stat: eighty four percent of the trades that go down in the NBA were either on or during the week of the February trade deadline." Okay, that's two months away. Eighty-four percent. Eighty-four percent. So I mean, we we changed my answer to a, to a poll question. <laughs> right, you should. Right, you, did you notice I waited until after we gave out the poll question before I gave out that stat? Right, yeah, I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. want to pollute right. anybody's thinking. Eighty-four percent of the deals that come down are usually within a week of the trade deadline. That's mid-February. I mean, that's that. Are they are the Suns? Can they? But that's the question about the Suns. Can they go that long without trading Jake Crowder? Can they go that long with just having an well, empty spot on their roster, basically? I mean, that, that that's supposed to be one of their top six or seven guys, right? And he's just sitting there. Yeah, you know, the bottom line is you got to make the right trade. And right now, I mean, listen, it's very obvious. And the Suns have not been offered a package good enough because nobody wants to give up anything, you know, value for Jay Crowder. He's an expi- he's an expiring con- he's a player on an expiring contract. So, unless like you want to get off if you want to get off of a 3 or 4 year deal, you'll be like, "Okay, I'll take your expiring contract if you take my guy for 3 years." But the Suns don't want that. Like the Suns they don't want that. So, and then you can look at a player like a good player that a team has, they're not going to give up anything. That's what I said 
said the other day is what's happening is a lot of the good teams in the league, they know it's difficult to deal with you know with, with teams that are also good, so they're going to the weak, weaker teams in the league. They're talking to San Antonio. They're talking to Detroit. They're talking to Indiana to try to see if a trade could be made, because sometimes it's easier to make a trade with one of those teams than it is with a, another contending team. Look, do the Suns want to trade Jay Crowder to Golden State? Like, no. No. Um, but, like, at this point, I think the Suns just want to make a good deal. Like, they want to make a good deal for them. I think they'd be willing to even, and I even heard this recently, I think they'd be willing to take back a, a draft pick if they can get one. There's a lot of talk out there that the Suns are not, uh, that they cannot trade a first-round pick. That is that is incorrect. Like, they, they because of the ownership situation. There have been a lot of reports out there that the Suns are prohibited, not prohibited, but limited in trading future first-round picks because yeah, like of the I, uncertain I, ownership yeah, situation. I, if, if the Suns wanted to trade a first round, one first-round pick right now, they could. Like, they, they, James Jones could do that. He could, if he, it was A.J. Crowd on a first-round pick to get this guy. But they, multiple first-round picks? Could they? Well, I, that I don't know. I mean, is, I don't know. If you had a five first-round picks, yeah. you know, then you take it on $50 million in salary from somebody, then maybe, you know, maybe there are some limitations okay. there. But okay. to say that they can't trade any first-round picks, that's definitely not correct. That's kind of a big distinction when you think about it, right? Like, I, I mean, because there is, and it's, it's that that's Sam Garvin did an exclusive interview with AZ Central, the, the acting owner, basically. And he said, look, for day-to-day decisions, I can do it. The big decisions, I have to check with Robert. I, he's, he's still, you know, I, I have to run that up the flagpole. Extending, or not extending James Jones, giving James Jones that promotion. I didn't need to check with anybody for that. I can, I'm authorized to do that. But the big, big, big expenditures, I can't just do that on my own. And it's kind of curious to see what counts as a big expenditure and what doesn't. You know, trading yeah. one future first round pick, okay. Multiple first round picks might require some form of approval. And, and so think, think about this: a, a team that's pretty good, that's got a chance to go to the playoffs and stuff. Okay, I'll add, I'll add Jay Crowder, but I'm not going to give you a piece that hurts me. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'd like Jay Crowder. He might be a piece that could really help us. But why would I? I subtract from my team and hurt my team to add him. Yeah. What? So that's where you really get caught between a rock and a hard place. The Suns having a hard time making a deal. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, of all the expensive quarterbacks in the NFL this season, how many of them are actually worth what they're getting paid? That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Uh, just real quick, the Arizona Cardinals injury report for the day as they're getting ready for the Broncos added cornerback Antonio Hamilton with a back issue and wide receiver Marquise Brown uh, also is sick and did not practice today. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, Russell Wilson, we'll talk more about him coming up in a little bit. He was upgraded to limited for the Denver Broncos in this game coming up on Sunday. Um, I love this story that Gambo found today. Loved it. And in part because I think it tells a couple of different stories. The story that Gambo found today took the nine top earning NFL quarterbacks. And this line from the story, this has been a cursed season for top earning NFL quarterbacks. In particular, it has been disastrous for the ones rewarded with mega contract extensions within the past year. And they looked at Aaron Rodgers, and they looked at Wilson, and they looked at Kyler, and they looked at Deshaun Watson, and Derek Carr, and Matthew Stafford. And the line that stands out more than anything, they write, quote, add it all up, 
and there are woes involving six of the NFL's nine quarterbacks who have contracts that average at least $40 million per season. With four weeks left in the 2022 season, the only $40 million men projected to even make the playoffs are Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and Dak Prescott. We are not alone, Bernsey. We are not alone. We are not alone. No, we are not. Misery needs company. And we got plenty of it. And we got plenty of it. Plenty we got Aaron Rodgers making $50 million a year, and the Packers are 5-8 and eight and awful, right? 39-year-old quarterback making all that money, they're 5-8. and eight. We got Russell Wilson, who's been, they say, the flop of the year in Denver. How about Derek Carr in Vegas? Three-year, $121.5 million extension. They go out and they get him divided. Monday Adams, and they, they're terrible. The Raiders are just terrible with Josh McDaniels. Matthew Stafford, $40 million a year. The Rams are awful. They got Baker Mayfield quarterbacking them right now. Four and nine for the Rams, and Stafford's out for the rest of the year. Um, it is uh, it is a fascinating read, and it's a, it's a fascinating way to look at it. Uh, Deshaun Watson was the other one, and his first game when he came back was terrible. He was a lot of rust on him, and he got that fully guaranteed contract. So you go through it. You got Aaron Rodgers. You got Kyla Murray. You got Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr, Matthew Stafford. Six guys making $40 million a year, and none of them are playing good, and their teams are awful. And we focus, ultra focus on, on the Cardinals, and uh, but it is true. Like It is true that we are not alone. There are other markets right now that are saying, man, we're paying that quarterback how much money, and what's our record? Yeah, yeah. No, it's, 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 a, it's a fascinating way of looking at it because you think, you know, we all, we all can't wait for our team to have a franchise quarterback that you can pay $40 million to because it feels like you've arrived, right? Okay, we're there. We made it. We found our franchise quarterback, the guy we can believe in, the guy that we're going to build around. I, I, I tell you, I'm, I'm looking at the playoff standings right now, and, and I, I can't speak to all the others. Aaron Rodgers is in a different deal. Watson's in a different deal. Certainly Russell Wilson and, and Derek Carr are in a different deal. But I, I see this story, and the first thing I thought of was honestly – when you've got a quarterback on a rookie-level contract, and he's good, you must take advantage of that. Look at the playoff standings right now. All right, look at Cincinnati, the fifth seed, the AFC, Burrow, rookie-level contract. Tua and the Dolphins, the sixth seed, rookie-level contract. Even Mac Jones in New England, rookie-level contract. The Eagles in the NFC and Jalen Hurts, that's a rookie-level contract. Um, it's it's there, there are others that aren't, obviously. The Vikings are paying a lot of money to their quarterback. So are the Bucks. So are the Cowboys. The Giants have Daniel Jones on a rookie-level contract. Geno Smith isn't making that much in Seattle. They're, they're maybe going to make the playoffs, at least on the verge of making the playoffs. I'm dying to know what's going to happen with Geno Smith now. Next year. I know. He played so well, and now he's not playing so well, turning the ball over quite a bit. Is he franchise tag? Do they just try to do a because Seattle's got that Denver pick? Yes, they do. You want a quarterback? You got you've got a quarterback. Like sometimes the best shot to take a quarterback is when you somehow luck into or or, or you know a top pick and and they've got a top pick. Sometimes you do it because you're really bad, but sometimes you luck into it because of a trade and they're gonna luck into it because Denver's terrible. Um but like if you're seeing, I just don't know what you do. Like, do you just do a two-year deal and overpay him a little bit and draft a quarterback, or do you try to block him up long term and just say we think he's our guy? I don't like that. That's going to be fascinating to watch because honestly, I don't know what they should do. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't know. But but you look at the teams that are going to make the playoffs, and there are about half of them who are paying their quarterback a decent chunk of change. There are a few of them, the three that we mentioned, who are obviously paying their quarterback forty million dollars a year. But there's also a whole bunch of them that are taking advantage of a quarterback. 
quarterback who's good, but who's also cheap. Two is cheap. Joe Burrow's cheap. Cheap. Daniel Jones is cheap right now. Jalen Hurts is cheap right now. We we saw this with the Cardinals, and, and look, if we're being honest, they inadequate, inadequately took advantage of Kyler's rookie contract. They didn't. They weren't able to make enough hay with a quarterback who was good and inexpensive. They tried last year. We thought they were going to do it with that 11-win season, and then it all fell apart at the end. The other story that needs to be told about this is a quarterback who's not on this list, and that's Lamar Jackson. I would imagine that whatever game it is he's playing with the Ravens and whatever he's trying to get, I would think the Kyler Murray injury would scare him straight into wanting to get a deal done with Baltimore so he wouldn't put himself in the same spot that Kyler was able to avoid by getting his contract. and And Kyler's comp was Baker. They did not want to be in the same situation as Baker Mayfield, where, okay, I take the team to the playoffs, we don't get a deal done, and all of a sudden now, you know, you're out, he's out. Like, you know, he's, and look where Baker is now. He didn't have the guarantees, he didn't have the contract. So the, the whole focus on Kyler, I'm not playing for $5 million, was I don't want to end up being Baker Mayfield. And now you've got Lamar Jackson saying, I don't want to be Kyler Murray. I got to get a deal done. I don't want to be in a situation where, well, no, you know, no, something no, I, happens I, to me and I'm injured. Right, but I want to be. Kyler Murray. I mean, like, I want to protect myself like Kyler protected himself. Right, right, right. right. I, yeah. I want to be Kyler in that way. I want to be Kyler yeah, in that way. I yes. don't want to be Kyler because I've blown out my knee and I'm going to be out for a year. I want to be Kyler because in case something disastrous happens, yeah. I'm covered. $190 million in injury protection. Yeah. Yeah. $190 million in injury protection and the for Kyle longer Lamar. Lamar bets on himself and waits for whatever it is he's waiting for, the more he risks not having that protection if something disastrous were to happen to him. He's got to be careful here. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. Listen, I don't know for what whatever reason. I don't know why he wasn't able to get a deal done. If he had had an agent, you got to believe that an agent would have got a deal done to protect him and not let him go into this season. But he was his own, his own, his own agent. He yeah. bet on himself. And, you know, and whether that's right or wrong, that was his decision. That's what he chose. And he believes in himself. And, you know, I, I think that the the Ravens could, you know, you could tag him. You could try to do an extension with him. And, and the thing with the way he plays is everybody has always said, I don't know how long he's going to play at that level, the way he plays with that reckless abandon. And even though he's big and strong, man, he takes a lot of hits. And he's not like Kyler where he just slides or gets out of bounds. So, you know, there's that factor. You, you don't want to get to the point where the Ravens start to think, you know what? Like a year ago, the Ravens like, we got to sign Lamar Jackson. we gotta, we got to sign Lamar Jackson. A year later, that might not be 100%. It might be like, yeah, we really? Like, we want to sign him, but like, let's think about this. Let's Let's talk this through. You don't want to get to that point where it starts going south on you. When we come back, since we last spoke with them, they've won two of their last three, including a huge upset win over the best team in the NHL. The general manager of those Arizona Coyotes, Bill Armstrong, joins us for his weekly segment next on the Burns and Gambo Show.